When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of the Yard. It is in the wee hours of Friday morning, and I am wearing maroon. I hope that you are as well. Isn't it wonderful that we live in a country that we can celebrate Maroon Friday as we choose? So I hope that you've got your maroon on today. It's always great to kind of rep the brand, let people know where you stand. I, that's one of the things I love about, you know, football season. When I, was, when I worked in retail... I let everybody during football season wear jeans and their favorite team's shirt or jersey, whether it be a high school team, an NFL team, or a college team. It was jersey day, and it it brought a great deal of uh, pride and at the same time relaxation. We, we, We brought new meaning to casual Friday. So our football Fridays, we encouraged everybody to, uh, to rep their teams and it was incredible how many customers would come in that were kind of like excited about that too it's like hey look at you guys you know and so I think it's a cool thing that we do that we don't celebrate it as much as we uh, maybe we did in recent years but uh, I still think Maroon Friday is a really cool thing I'm proud to be a Bulldog and and I think many of you are as well if you you wouldn't be listening to the show if you didn't have some interest in Mississippi State so let me encourage you whenever you can Wear your maroon. I used to like the thing on Fridays, we wear maroon. It's one of those things, too, when I wake up on Friday mornings, I always think, you know, before I go grab a Motley Crue shirt or a rat shirt, I think, you know what, hey, it's Maroon Friday. I don't want to be caught out in public not wearing maroon and have somebody say, hey, look at Steve. He's not wearing his maroon. So maybe it's positive peer pressure, but I do enjoy uh, us wearing maroon. One of the cool things, too, is, uh, you know, my kids are older now. I've got three of the four out of the house. It makes me feel like an old man. But, uh, you know, we used to plan to go to Disney, you know, every couple of years. And one of the cool things is I would always wear either a state hat or a state shirt while I was down there. Inevitably, some other Bulldog fan would come up and say hello without fail. Because, you know, it really is a family. And sometimes fans of other SEC teams would come up and say, hey, while we're waiting in this long line to ride uh, Splash Mountain, how are the Bulldogs going to be this year? What do you think about the coach? Who's going to be the quarterback? And so I like the fact, even before all of this, before I wrote books and had a show, uh, that people kind of you know identified Mississippi State with me because I loved Mississippi State. So for many people, when I lived in Louisiana, I was their Mississippi State friend. They all rooted for LSU, but I was their Bulldog friend. And there were a lot of people that when they ever had questions about Mississippi State, usually on game week, they'd, they'd call or text or whatever. Well, I guess we didn't text back then. They'd call or fax and say, hey, tell me about the Bulldogs. And that's always a cool thing, too. There, there is some camaraderie in college football when you get outside of the rivalries. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, there, there is this collective experience that everybody in the SEC hates Ole Miss. And so... It's kind of neat to kind of get together and, and trade Ole Miss horror stories. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You know, everybody's got them. I went to the stadium, and there's all these guys with bad bangs and, you know, bad cologne and cheap whiskey on their breath and that sort of stuff. And 
they said some really hurtful things about me. You know, that's usually about the extent of the story. But, uh, you know, and everybody's got that old Miss brother-in-law. And so people had a lot of things to say. But, uh, you know, it's a cool thing, you know, when we as SEC fans, you know, can kind of get together and talk sports. That's one of the reasons that I love our network. You know, so many people that I have worked with, you know, for years and years and years, either with Scout or 247, that uh, whenever I have a question about their program, I can pick up the phone that I can just call. You know, call my buddy Jason Caldwell over at Auburn and say, hey, Jason, what's going on? Matter of fact, when I travel, we go over and cover baseball there. You know, there's a little more time during baseball weekends. You know, football, Saturdays, it's usually so, so packed from a, you know, demand standpoint. It's a little more laid back with baseball. And so I'll go over there and, you know, if State's playing an afternoon game on Saturday or an evening game, I can go have lunch with Jason and his wife and they can take me to some local place. Or I go down to Baton Rouge and I see my buddy Sonny Shipp. And, you know, it's great to have those, those friends. But uh, it's a cool thing to kind of just sit around. And when you don't really have maybe a uh, bitterness towards their team and just kind of sit down and say, hey, what, so what's Gus Malzahn really like? How much fun is it covering at Orgeron? And these days, what everybody wants to talk about is, Steve, you've got the greatest gig in all of football. You get to cover Mike Leach for a living, and I'm supposed to be able to talk to Mike here pretty soon. Uh, just, you know, kind of a Q&A type thing. We do that you know, regularly, I guess you could say, you know, as needed. But uh, eager to kind of get his thoughts about the year. He's been in Starkville now for a full year. Kind of what he's learned about the Mississippi State experience, what it's like to sell Mississippi State. I don't want to sit around and talk about COVID. I can tell you that. And I'm sure at some point that comes up in the interview just because of the fact that uh, that was a lot of a, a lot of COVID cancellations and, um, you know, COVID cautionary measures we had to take. But uh, I really just want to talk some football. You know, and maybe we'll get into, um, you know, Coach, what's your favorite Smurf? Right? What's your favorite Smurf? I think I, I, think I have to go. I mean, Smurf ad, of course, is number one. But if you remove Smurfette from the discussion, I think it has to be Hefty Smurf. I mean, don't you think? Don't you think it has to be Hefty? He was the guy that could fix things. It's good to have him around the village. You know what I'm saying? And he wasn't, really, he wasn't scared of Azrael and Gargamel. And so I'm eager to kind of get Mike's thoughts on that. You know, in any number of things. You know, what, what's your favorite Star Wars character not in the main group? You know what I'm saying? Who's your favorite, you know, peripheral character? Who's your favorite secondary character? Well, I don't know about you guys, but my favorite long before The Mandalorian came out was Bubba Fett. I thought he was so mysterious, so he looked so cool there in his armor. And I have loved watching that series because I am a Star Wars nerd at heart. I'll give you a funny story about Star Wars, and we'll move on to the show. So when I was a kid, uh, we had seen Star Wars at, at the movies. You know, we, when, we, when I was a kid, we were as broke as the Ten Commandments. We didn't get to get out and go do a whole lot, and I've shared that with you guys before. You know, I live with my grandparents so I was eight years old, and outside of going to the Dixie National Rodeo, we didn't get to do a whole lot. We went to church, came home, we ate sandwiches, called it a day. But, uh, you know, my dad, when we, after Star Wars came out, we uh, were so excited about Empire Strikes Back coming out. And so we were going to the premiere at the DeVille Cinema in Jackson. And if you're in the central Mississippi area, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Now the hideaway is there. It's a big, big uh, rock show coming up there, too, uh, here as of late. As a matter of fact, I saw, uh, I saw Nonpoint and Hender there here about a couple of years ago. So it's, it's a cool little place. I like that place. But it used to be a movie theater. And so we were in line, 
to see opening night with Empire Strikes Back. And, and as a kid, you can imagine how incredible that was. I'm going to get to see this before anybody else. None of my friends back home will have seen this, you know, because it was, it was in limited theaters that first weekend. You know how it worked. You know, I lived in Columbia, Mississippi, and we had a little uh, twin cinema there. But uh, by the time the movies got there, they were, you know, sometimes two and three weeks or a month old. But I was going to be the first guy in my hometown to be able to see The Empire Strikes Back. And so we're in line to watch the show, and this reporter comes up, and she works for the Clarion Ledger. And so she's walking along there, and lo and behold, she stops to interview us. And she asks a question. She goes, okay, well, who's your favorite character? Well, even at a young age, I was somewhat media savvy. I understood that if I gave just the routine run-of-the-mill answer, because everybody's going to say Luke, right? Everybody's going to say Luke Skywalker is my favorite character. And so I thought, you know what, I'm not going to get my name in the paper if I say Luke Skywalker. And so when she asked me who my favorite character was, I said Darth Vader. And she laughed and she goes, oh, but he's a bad guy. And without a moment's hesitation, my dad, Freddie Robertson, did not hesitate at all. When I said, when I said, hey, Darth Vader's my favorite, and she said, yeah, but he's a bad guy. My dad said, so is he. And there are probably some of those people that would agree with that. But that's my uh, Star Wars story for today. And so maybe I'll ask Mike, Mike, Let's talk a little Star Wars here, you know. So uh, I don't want to waste this time with all that silliness. You know, I think some people try really hard to try to find something that goes viral or whatever because Mike is such an entertainer. But uh, I'm eager to see what he feels about Mississippi State, about the Bulldogs, and about the direction of our program. And you just never know where that's going to go. You never know what silliness is going to come up. The first time that I ever interviewed him, he spent the first 20 minutes interviewing me. You know, how did you become a Bulldog? Uh, what's your favorite game? Who's your favorite player? That sort of stuff. You know, just kind of wanted to get to know my background, which I thought was pretty cool. There are a lot of people you interview, and they just want to kind of make it through the process. And I guess Mike felt like, you know what, since, uh, you know, this is a guy that's going to be covering Mississippi State for a long time, you know, maybe I need to kind of have an idea what he's about. So there you go. So look for that here in the, uh, in the days and weeks ahead over on jeanspage.com. I don't know when we'll get to have that conversation, but sometime pretty soon. And uh, I'll, I'll talk about it here on the show. And that'll be kind of a two-parter deal. I'll make part one free, and then part two will be VIP. And so if you are a Jeans Page subscriber, you'll get the benefit of both. And uh, if you read the first part and you're so inclined, go ahead and subscribe to Jeans Page, and you can read part two. Speaking of uh, great things and favorites, Bulldog Burger Company, that's your favorite place. That is the best place to get a hamburger. You, You know that it is. It kind of goes without saying, but it's worth repeating. Bulldog Burger Company is a great place to go have a great restaurant-quality hamburger because there's a lot of people that kind of specialize in hamburgers, and they just kind of pass off this, you know, know, this cookie-cutter type thing. You know what I'm saying? It's not anything special. It is extraordinary, as they say. It is not extraordinary. It is extraordinary. But that's not what you're going to get at Bulldog Burger Company. You're going to get a specialty-type burger every time you go. You know what? And if you're not ready... For the smokehouse, maybe you're not ready for the mission, the pimentology, go have the Bulldog. That is a good straight-ahead rock and roll American hamburger. You'll love it. You'll go home and tell your friends about it, but you're not going to finish that portion. When they bring that tray and set it down in front of you and it's got that substantial hamburger and all those french fries, you're going to bring some home, and that's a good thing. And if you don't eat it, the dogs will, right? Right? That's why they call it a doggy bag. Two locations now to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas and on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. Go by and tell them that I sent you. Tell them I said hello at Bulldog Burger Company, a place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, so I'm going to talk a little bit about 
recruiting. Uh, we're going to have a couple of recruiting segments today. A couple of days now after signing day, we are still a top 25 class. And here's the deal. It kind of doesn't matter what kind of movement there is down the stretch. If you're top 25 on National Signing Day, you're top 25. And the Sun would say, Steve, what's a big deal? It's top 25. It still, it still has you in the bottom half of the league. It's, you know, it's just the top 25. Well, that's always the goal for us because here's the deal. You know, we're not a blue blood. We're never going to be a top 10 type recruiter. But if we can ever finish between 15 and 25, that's a big thing. And there were a lot of people that said, you know what, Mike Leach can't recruit. Mike Leach has always struggled to recruit. As I've shared on the show before, the highest-ranked class he ever had was 2006 at Texas Tech and uh, finished 20th in the country. Now, when this whole process started and we began to kind of see the offers kind of shake out from State and Ole Miss, you kind of had a good idea that this wasn't going to be a great year in State. You know, we didn't think it was kind of leading in. But there's always some hope that maybe there's some hidden gems out there, and there were a few. I mean, guys like Gabe Cavazos, of course. They, I think Gabe's going to be a good lineman. A lot of people say, well, Steve, you're talking about him. He's not even in school. Uh, I, I expect him to be back. I do. He's, uh, he's doing the things necessary, and so we'll have an update on that a little bit later. But I'm beginning to get, you know, some positive movement there. And for those of you that are unaware, you know, Gabe signed with us back in December and enrolled in class in January and then got a little homesick and decided to kind of do some distance learning from home. And so he hadn't been participating in the workouts. They're voluntary, but at the same time, they're still, you know, important. But uh, I'm beginning to hear some, some positive things. You know, Gabe, Gabe wants to play football. He does. And that's the thing, too. We battle with this all the time. And that's the thing I don't think the casual fan understands. We think, oh, man, when I went to college, it was the greatest time of my life. Uh, it wasn't for me. But I, I remember, you know, the freedom and the excitement to kind of be on your own for the first time. And then, then at some point, you got to get to work. You know, and so for a lot of those young people, they're leaving home for the first time. You know, I was always a free spirit. I could not wait to get away. I could not wait to be out from the supervision of my parents. And not just because I was a rebellious child, but uh, I just wanted to be able to let my hair down a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I just, I just kind of wanted to get out there. Well, there are a lot of other kids, they don't feel that way. There are a lot of kids that are really close to their parents and thinking, you know what? I need to be home to kind of help out and, and do the things I need to do to help out the family. And so, and at some point, the family kind of cuts the apron strings. So, you know what, you got to get out of here and go make a life for yourself. And so, every year, there is at least one to two freshmen that either go home or threaten to go home. Every year. Every single year. Every year. I mean, you think, well, you know, this is a rare instance. It's not a rare instance. It happens all the time. You just don't, it just doesn't make the paper. It doesn't always make the message boards. You know, nowadays in the social media thing, a lot of people are paying attention to stuff. And so, so you know, be that as it may, kind of getting back on track here, you know, we look at this, you know, top 25 class, we kind of knew there wasn't going to be a lot of star power in the state to kind of carry the class. You know, because more times than not, if there's an SEC prospect in the state of Mississippi, more times than not, State and Ole Miss both offer them. But it wasn't a lot of that. And so we could say initially it's, well, you know, it's because you got new coaching staffs here. Well, you didn't have a lot of new recruiting staff. You had some people that had already kind of done the grunt work, and they kind of knew who the, the no-doubters were. And there just weren't very many of them. You know, there just simply wasn't very many of them. You know, Mississippi State didn't offer a Ty Cooper, I guess, until May. You know, we'd known about him for, you know, a couple of years and felt like he was going to be the top defensive lineman in the state. And then come to find out he was about the only defensive lineman in the state. You know, and so we knew early on it was going to be a real chore to get a top 25 class because, you know, in our recruiting footprint, we're, we're going we're to recruit 
Mississippi kids more times than not, right? I mean, that's that we have built a program on small-town Mississippi. And so when those small communities are not producing players with greater regularity, it's going to be difficult for us to get in the top 25. And it's a lot of people are going to say, well, you know, well, Ole Miss does it a lot. You know, we've done it some too. But uh, the difference is, is that, um, you know, we love football. You know, they love football recruiting and football in that order. And I'm not going to spend the whole show sitting here bashing Ole Miss, but that always seems to be the measuring stick. But uh, more times than not, they beat us in recruiting and then lose on the field to us. And so uh, that's a big part of things. We're always going to be competing with them, always, 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 always competing with them for players within the state of Mississippi. And most years there is enough players to kind of go around for both of us to feel like we have done a good job uh, this year really wasn't the case. We had to kind of go supplement out of state. And I think both teams probably did a really good job with that. I don't know their class nearly as well uh, as maybe I did 10 years ago because I just kind of, you know, try to try to train most of my focus on what we're doing when it comes to recruiting. But uh, let me put some things in context for you about this top 25 class because somebody asked this question on the message board over on Gene's page. And so I just wanted – we had a discussion, so I wanted to kind of share this uh, with everybody because I thought it was worth you guys knowing because a lot of people hear top 25 and they think to themselves is that is that good I mean is that is that where we, where we want to be is that where we have normally been so let me run this down for you since the end of the Sylvester Chrome era these are your recruiting rankings now we didn't really get strong in recruiting players nationally until the early 2000s and the process has changed a lot say in the last dozen years I, th- I think we're doing a better job now than we ever have. That's not to say we can't do better. I have these conversations all the time with our leadership because it's about being better. Because here's the thing. There are some people out there that star grub. Like, I- I'm never going to email anybody at 247 or pick up a phone and call and say, hey, this kid needs to be rated higher because he's going to Mississippi State. I, I think that the answer, the answer to your question, the answer to your needs is you know, not to get the guys that you – you sign rated higher is to sign the higher rated guys. Does that make better sense? You know, so if you want better talent, don't sit out here and star grub and beg for your guys to be rated higher. Go sign better players. I remember a discussion that I had years ago. Uh, I was in San Antonio at the time, and uh, Chad bumped. Hi, Bulldog fans. Our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season. It's concert season. It's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand-new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Was a four star. And somebody's name you may or may not know, some people, uh, you know, there's a kid named Corvick Neat that, uh, that signed with Ole Miss, or was, go- was about to sign with Ole Miss. And Mike Bacus, a uh, great friend of mine, I haven't talked to Mike in a while, loved that guy to death. Mike covered Miami and was responsible for kind of r- ranking South Florida. That's a big job, it really is. But Mike was the best. Mike was the best in the industry when it came to South Florida. And so, we're having a rankings meeting. We're kind of talking about some of these guys. And Corvick Neat was rated a two-star. And so, you know, some people were pushing because he was going to Ole Miss to kind of get him ranked higher. And Mike kind of dug in his heels and said, no. I mean, no, this, this is a G5 guy. You know, we, were a lot, we weren't as liberal back then when it came to three-stars as it is today. It seems like now anybody that goes to a Power 5 gets a three-star. Back in those days, the way it worked was, you know, the top, you know, 50 players – the top 50 players got a five-star. Then the next 250 got a four-star. So there were 300 players in the country total that were four and five stars. And then the next 700 would be three stars. So you had to be in the top 1,000 players in the country to be ranked a three-star above by scout.com at the time. We expanded that much later because, you know, it's probably better for business. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, all your competitors have our kids ranked as three stars. But as far as numerically, they're probably the same. But from an optics standpoint, it's like, oh, well, these guys seem to know more about what they're doing because they like our kids better. It's kind of how that works. One is confirmation bias things. But, um, but anyway, we're having this discussion about rankings. And so Mike dug in his heels, and he goes, no. He goes, I don't think that kid's ever going to do much. You know, and so the comparison was is they said, well, Chad Bumpus going to Mississippi State is uh, – is ranked a four-star, and this kid is kind of his clone. He's the same kind of guy as Chad Bumpus. And uh, I laughed when I said that, and I said, listen, I don't know anything about this guy, uh, this Corvick Neat kid, but uh, he's not Chad Bumpus. And I, I know that without looking at his film because I've seen his offer sheet. And, um, and so the argument was is that the Ole Miss coaches had ranked or evaluated Corvick Neat higher than Chad Bumpus. Right, that was that was that was the argument. Is it because they ranked them higher? 
in their opinion, that he should be rated higher on our network. And so let me just kind of break this down for you. Mike Bacus, God, God bless Mike. Mike says, no, we're not going to do it. And I do think we ended up putting a three-star on that guy. Uh, I think we did just to kind of split the difference. But uh, here is Corvick Neat's college statistics. Now, he uh, finished up his career at Ole Miss in 2013. Corvick Neat had 35 catches for 333 yards, never scored a touchdown, had 17 rushing attempts for 91 yards, did get a touchdown. So that's it. So all-purpose yards in his four-year career, 424 yards. And most of that came his junior season. His senior season, he did not catch a pass. Played in just two games. Chad Bumpus, you guys never heard of him, right? Chad Bumpus played as a true freshman while Corvick Neat redshirted. In four years at Mississippi State, Chad Bumpus had one of the most prolific receiving careers in the history of Mississippi State University. 159 catches, 2,270 yards, 24 touchdowns receiving, uh, 37 rushes for 232 yards, and a touchdown. So all told, Chad Bumpus, 2,502 yards and 25 touchdowns. And remember, the argument was he should be rated, Corvick Neat should be rated higher because some coach at Ole Miss said he was just as good, if not better, than Chad Bumpus. So I say that, number one, star grubbing gets you nowhere. You know, either the guys, either they're good or they're not. Also, too, I believe in validating the rankings. I, I believe in hindsight. Listen, there are some exceptions. There are always some outliers because we can't get out and see everybody. Uh, we're on the road right now. Matter of fact, on signing day, I went over to East Webster. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. You know, we're out going and seeing these guys face-to-face, kind of measuring them up, see how big they are, see how they handle themselves, see how they, their coaches talk about them. You get out and you go make the effort. There's a lot of guys out there placing the rankings on kids that they'd never see. And they're obviously much smarter than me because I don't understand how you rank a player you've never seen. I don't understand how you rank a guy that you've never seen play. And I can't begin to tell you how many times that I'll look on somebody's profile page and they're listed at 6'2 and 6'3 and I go meet them when they're 5'10, 5'11. You know, and so that's the problem with self-reporting. And you put out there that you're bigger than you say you are and all of a sudden a coach comes and sees you and it's like, wait a minute, this guy's not going to work. Why waste everybody's time? Get the right numbers out there, and you have a really idea of uh, people that are serious about you. Because you know what? If they say, hey, this kid's got Alabama, LSU, Auburn offers, then Southern Miss is going to think, well, we ain't got a chance to that kid. Go find somebody else. Well, then they do, and you're left in the end kind of scrambling, thinking I'd love to go to Southern Miss. But when it comes to rankings, you know, I'm not going to ever say, well, this kid should be ranked higher just because he go to Mississippi State. Now, that may be one of the things you guys want me to do. I'm not going to do that. And maybe it's ego, maybe it's pride. I like to think it's ethics, but I, I like to be able to come back one day and say, you know what, see, I told you. I told you that kid was really good. I told you. I remember standing on the table for Nico Whitley. I was the only guy in the process that thought that kid could play. The only guy in the rankings process. I talked to everybody who would listen. This kid is a heat-seeking missile. He's going to be a star. Once he gets in a college weight room and gets a nutrition plan, he's going to explode. And they're like, yes, Steve, I don't see it. But let's go give four stars to Bo Tillman. Oh, okay, let's, let's go do that. Why, why would we do that? Well, you know, look how big he is. He fits the matrix. Uh, let me put that in perspective for you, too, because I think it's important because uh, I do like being able to say I told you so. Because uh, Bo Tillman out of Franklin County looked the part. He didn't play the part. I remember watching, I remember watching video of him on a VHS tape, watching him play. 
and uh, watching him them run the trap play underneath him over and over and over and over and over again, and he never adjusted. And uh, everybody said, you know what, he's just going to be great. He's going to be great when, uh, when he gets done. And uh, he wasn't. He wasn't great. But that's what happens is a lot of people get involved in all this, and they say, you know what, let's look at, um, you know, let's look at this and, uh, you know, kind of see how things go. And uh, I'm sitting here looking for Bo Tillman's college stats, and I, I can't find them. Uh, but I know that he had a very uneventful career at, at, at Ole Miss, and uh, he was because of you know somebody's matrix out there. You know they uh, they thought well, since he looks the part, and he fits our matrix for what that position should look like, uh, he's got to be good. Well, he wasn't good, and uh, I, as uh, the president of the Nico Whitley fan club. Uh, I I get the gift of hindsight and being able to say, I told you so. Nico Whitley ended up being an absolute star at Mississippi State, arguably the best safety we've ever had. I don't know who you could argue against that. Nico Whitley, 150 tackles, solo, 79 assists for total 229 tackles, eight tackles for loss, 15 interceptions, Six passes defended, three fumble recoveries, and four forced fumbles. And uh, he also uh, watered the hedges out in Athens, Georgia. And let's not forget, too, he missed most – I say most. He missed the second half of uh, 2011 with a torn Achilles. And then he walked to the locker room at halftime. Would not allow anybody to assist him. Wouldn't allow anybody to touch it because he was such a warrior. And then in 2013, he played the entire season – on a partially torn ACL because he wanted to get your Bulldogs to a bowl game. Tore the ACL on the last play of the first half against Oklahoma State in that, it, after we had blocked a uh, – I guess we had an intercepted block field goal or whatever, and Tavess Calhoun was running, and Nico went to go block somebody, and his knee folded back on him, and he partially tore the ACL. Gets it wrapped up, wears a brace the rest of the year, didn't even practice the entire year, went out and played. Uh, strips a fumble on the road at Arkansas – that would have allowed them to put the game away, allows us to get the game in the overtime. We won. And then, of course, he rips the ball away from Bo Wallace as he's going in to score the game-time touchdown in overtime to win the Egg Bowl in some Mississippi State to a bowl game. And then Nico Whitley had season-ending surgery the very next week, had no intentions of playing in the bowl game, just wanted to get Mississippi State to a bowl game, did not want his senior class to be the one that broke the streak. So, yeah, I've had some misses along the way too, but – that's the thing about getting out and go seeing guys play. I saw Nico Whitley play in high school against Callaway. Saw Nico Whitley play on the road. Uh, he's a junior against Clinton. And he absolutely had no regard for his own personal safety. I bet he was about a buck 45 back then. And he was hitting like a truck. And that's the thing. When a guy is willing to hit you that hard, but when he doesn't have, uh, you know, when he doesn't have a lot of mass, just imagine what he's going to do when he gets in a college weight room. And so, this, I didn't, this is my show, so I'll talk about what I want to talk about. But that's a lot of times when you look at these rankings, you begin to think, okay, well, you know, some of these guys are a bunch of three stars. We know we've built a program on that. And then we supplement it from time to time. We get some five stars along the way. You know, we get uh, Charles Cross. We get Jeff Simmons. You know, we get people like that. And, and uh, Chris Jones come and do a good job for us. So when you have those talents in state, you got to go get them. But here, here's the thing. I'm going to run this down for you real quick here before we kind of move on. 
Top 25 classes, back to 2009. Okay, so 2009, that's, that was a Nico Whitley class. Mostly a Sylvester Kroom class. Dan finished it up, but Kroom had most of the hay in the barn. So we finished 18th in the country that year. That 2009 class remains the best recruiting class in the modern-day era of Mississippi State. That's the Josh Boyd, Fletcher Cox, Chad Bumpus, Cameron Lawrence, Tyler Russell, Chris Smith, Pernell McPhee class. We put a bunch of guys in the National Football League off that, off that class. 2010, we were ranked 30th. 2011, 41st. 2012, 22nd. 2013, 24th. 2014, 36th. 2015, 18th. That's the benefit. That's the 2014 year. That's the number one year. So you ride the wave of that, and then you get a top 20 class the next year. That's usually how it works. Because by the time you get towards the end of the season, guys kind of have an idea what they're going to do. But you, you kind of get juice going into the next year. That's why it's so important to win the bowl game, right? 2016, we're finished 28th. 2017, 24th. 18, 27th. 19, 24. In uh, 20, 2020, we finished 28th. And then this year, 25th. And so you can see we're pretty much where we've always been. You know, Dan Mullen, you, know, you look at this and say, you know, well, Steve, look at what Mullen did. Well, it took Dan a little while to figure it out because three of his first five official classes, excuse me, yeah, three of his first five official classes, because, you know, in 2009 was mainly Croom. From 2010 to 2014, Dan Mullen had three classes outside of the top 30, 30 or higher. So it took him a while to kind of figure it out. It took a while to kind of get things going. Now, listen, some of those prospects were – were undervalued. As I told you guys at the beginning of the segment, there were times, you know, the, we weren't quite as liberal with the stars back then. But it's a different day and time now. And so this whole misnomer that Mike Leach can't recruit and that sort of stuff, uh, you know, that's what, exactly what it is. It is a misnomer. I think the staff's done a great job learning to pivot. And I also want to point out to you guys, too, and I, as I did on, on uh, Wednesday, you know, you got three guys in this class that are expected to be major contributors that don't count in the rankings. Randy Charlton, transfer from Central Florida. Makai Polk, transfer from Cal, and Jalen Green, transfer from Texas. Now, last year, 247 went back and ranked those guys, but it didn't impact the class rankings. I understand this year that might, might be the case. And so, you know, we're number 25 with three transfers, and the rest of the SEC West combined has three transfers. And so, we're top 25 without the benefit of those guys. Now, some could argue, too, well, you know, there were some transfers in the past, and they didn't count the rankings either, and that's true, but we didn't have the NCAA transfer portal back then, so it wasn't a, you know, it's a different day and age when you've got, you know, two and three kids every single year, and in the three years the portal's been up, we've, t- we've signed at least three kids every year out of the portal, and we're about to go back and try to get a couple more. That's the thing about recruiting nowadays. It's like, you know, used to you had National Signing Day and everything was done. Now it's, the, now it's just basically a three-parter, Right. But now we have the December signing period, we have the February signing period, and then there's the post-spring transfer portal period. And so you're basically recruiting for that class the entire year. It's a much different day and time. And so the rankings will evolve as well. And so you'll, you'll begin to see we'll do a better job with that because everybody is, is an industry, not just us and rivals. Everybody is kind of dealing with the same thing. It's like how much weight do we put on these transfers? You know, and, and certainly a guy that's got multiple years to play – should bring more value on the field and in the rankings. 
if it's a grad transfer and it's let's say he's a guy that's a marginal guy or a backup guy, well, that guy doesn't count the same as, say, you know, a Russell Wilson or a Joe Burrow or somebody like that. But let's be honest, nobody saw Joe Burrow becoming Joe Burrow. You know, Justin Fields, of course, leaving Georgia, yeah, that guy's probably a five-star transfer, right? And so that's what everybody's kind of figuring out. And I think some people are kind of scared to get out first. That's where, that's where they're different than me. I would rather be first and maybe beat them to the punch, everybody else, and then them have to kind of force the action. And then while they're catching up to me, I can be tweaking things. I'd love to be able to roll it out, you know, as a, uh, as a perfect product right out of the gate. That's just not realistic. But I think you have to do something. Somebody has to be first. I'm pushing for 247 to be first because that's the network that I'm, I'm with and that's who I have faith in. I don't want to be second to the market with this. I don't want to be uh, RC Cola. That's not who I want to be. I always want to be Coke. I 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 want to be out there first and get everything out first. And then if we got to tinker with it a little bit, we can. But uh, my hope is, is, is this thing continues to evolve. You'll see the rankings catch up. Uh, but this year, I think, again, that the rankings do not speak to the totality of this class. But despite that, despite the fact that you've got three scholarships out there for guys that aren't adding any point value, you're still 25 in the country. And that is pretty consistent with what we have done, uh, you know, for the better part of the last 10 years. You know, you go back, I guess, uh, you know, I guess seven or eight years here. You know, we, we have not had a class outside of the top 30 since 2014. So you put that together. One, two, three, four, five, seven classes in a row that we've been, uh, you know, in the 20s or better. And in this league, you know, because it, sometimes you're going to get caught up against the 85, you're not going to be able to sign a full 25 because, you know, you just, you just don't have room for them. So that's the outlier. I think for Mississippi State, I think we have to be in the top 25 three out of four years. And we're really close. Like if you look at the last four years, right, uh, really, three of the last five years, we have been in the top 25. Now, you would never know that, you know, talking to some of our fans. And you certainly wouldn't know it, you are know, talking to other fans of college football, you know, around the, around the country or even in the state of Mississippi. But we have consistently been, you know, in the mid to high 20s, you know, for the last several years. But you wouldn't know it. You know, every year, that's one of the first questions everybody asks me is, Steve, do you think we can sign a top 25 class? And the answer to that question every year is Yes. And the fact that we're top 25 this year without the benefit of a very strong in-state class I think speaks well for the future. I'm eager to see what the staff's going to do when they have some guys that grow up a couple hours from campus that have always wanted to play here. That's that's where we're going to have a chance to really see what we can do. It's one thing to have to go over in Louisiana and Texas and places like that and kind of compete for kids, and you're working on relationships that are new. But, uh, you know, when you've got kids that have grown up coming to school here, coming to ball games. They're not all going to come to school here, but uh, you've got a much better chance to land those kids, and I'm excited about 22 for that reason. All right, let's talk uh, a little bit. uh, Let's talk some music here. Excited to do this. Today's Top 10 list brought to you by Dr. Robert Yarber of ENT Physicians of North Mississippi. Doc and I traded some messages earlier this week, and one of the things that he kind of pointed out to me is, is, you know, there, there are a lot of people out there, and you may be one of them, you got these nagging sinus headaches. You know what I'm talking about. You've had all this pressure, and it's like you got post-nasal drip, and you can't shake it. It's like you just don't feel right. You've got all this sinus pressure and everything else and all these other issues, and it just kind of hangs around. you got pressure pain around your eyes. 
chronic stopped up nose and you tell yourself well it's just allergies it's just that time of year well it doesn't have to be that you don't have to struggle with that you can go by and check it out go make an appointment today get it handled once and for all call dr robert yarber at the ent physicians of north mississippi that phone number is 662-844-6513 right here in starkville on stark road it's 910 stark road and then in Tupelo, 618 Pegram Drive there in Tupelo. And here in Starkville, uh, they're going to be supporting OCH. They're going to be doing their surgical procedures right here at Octobaha County uh, Hospital. And so anything that is good for the hospital is good for our community. So give Doc a call again. Listen, go ahead and put the sinus problem behind you. Stop, stop torturing yourself. There's a reason this is happening. They can help you get to the bottom of it. Again, that's Dr. Robert Yarborough with the ENT Physicians of North Mississippi, 662-844-6513. There is a part of me, I think I've already done this list, but I went back and looked at all the lists that Royce put together and the lists that Gordon has put together, and I can't find it. Not all of the lists are on Spotify, but most of them are. But I can't find it. But um, I put this list together, and I love this list, man. I, I do. I absolutely love it. I told you guys this is going to be one that people from all walks of life and all backgrounds are going to love this list, and and there's something for everybody. Now, before I get started, I'm going to make sure you understand this. Some of these songs, the reason that they are so timeless and that they transcend the genre is because they're near-perfect songs. Some of these are absolute perfection. The arrangement, you know, this is one of those bands, too. They have a lot of range they got some up-tempo stuff you can dance to. They've got some Bowards. they got some Lover's Lament stuff. they got a little bit of everything for everybody. And I think that's why they appeal to such a wide range of, of people is because of the fact that um, they've got a song for every mood you're in. And that's right. I'm talking about the Commodores. So I want to jump right in here because I love the Commodores and I love Lionel Richie. And a lot of people think, well, Steve, you know, you got the long hair and the tattoos. You're strictly a rock guy. You're, you're wrong. I love it all. I just love some more than others. I like to be able to put my fist in the air because I like it heavy. But listen, I got Lionel Richie's Greatest Hits CD in my collection right now. I got the Commodores. When I was a kid, Commodores were my favorite, man. And listen, some of these songs are going to bring you back a little bit, so we're going to talk about them. Uh, Number 10, probably the only instrumental that we've talked about on the show. It's Machine Gun. And you've all heard it before. If you've seen Boogie Nights, you've you've heard the song. Machine Gun was a classic, you know, kind of a funk jam. You'll you'll dig it. Number nine, uh, oh no, and uh, you know that's one where you know the, the girl's picking somebody else as love of her life, and you know we're kind of coming to grips with the fact that she's leaving. Love Lionel Richie's vocal on that one. Number eight, another great ballad is just to be close to you, and, and again, magnificent, magnificent songwriting. And I've watched that Lionel Richie documentary years ago. And uh, Frank Sinatra gave him a compliment that meant a lot to him, and I think it speaks a lot about Lionel Richie as a singer-songwriter. But Frank Sinatra told him, he goes, you know, Lionel, you had a lot of number ones, and you wrote them all. And that is, uh, there is something to be said for that. There are so many people that are kind of part of a, a package or a conglomerate, but Lionel Richie is the jam, for sure. Number seven, a song that was a huge top 40 hit for them after Lionel Richie left. It's their highest charting song in the post-Lionel Richie era, and it's a song about, uh, you know, some fallen R&B stars. It's a song called Night Shift. Uh, I love this song. I listen to it sometimes when I'm traveling just because I, I just, I love those songs. And I love the, you know, the stories about, uh, you know, uh, Jackie Wilson, people like that. 
Marvin Gaye. It's a great tribute song. You check it out. Uh, number six, and this is one of those songs to you young guys out there. If you're out on a date and you, uh, you, know, you, you put this song on and uh, she doesn't at least hold your hand, it's time to bring her home. Okay, And it's a song called Still. It is a very, very romantic and passionate song. Uh, I dig it so much because one of those things, you listen to it, and it stirs up these emotions in you sometimes that maybe you've suppressed a little bit. You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes we get so busy with life, and sometimes we forget sometimes that the better part of our life is, uh, is being in love. Number five, uh, this is probably the most recognizable ballad of the Lionel Richie catalog, and it's uh, Three Times a Lady. You're once, twice, three times a lady. And uh, I love the song. It never gets old to me. There's some classic songs. You hear them and you, you know, they, they come on, they're overplayed. That's one of them I think is not overplayed. I absolutely dig it. Uh, number four. There have been times in my life that this could have been the number one song for me. One of this, the thing about this song, number one, it's almost like Lionel Richie singing country music. But those opening bars with that piano, it just kind of sets me at ease. You know, right out of the gate. And I love the strings, the arrangement of it. This is one of those songs that is just about perfect. I mean, it is just about perfect. But it's Sail On. And, uh, you know, there's some lyrics in there that are very they're very pointed. You know, like the one he talks about, uh, it's plain to see that a small-town boy like me just wasn't your cup of tea. I was wishful thinking. Uh, I think at some point most of us could have written that. Number three, and I remember this song so vividly, and I'll tell you why. When I was a kid at the Columbia Christmas Parade, the Alcorn State Marching Band was one of the featured bands. And it was such a big deal that they were there, that there were kids that walked up and down the street because they were fans of Alcorn State, not to mention Alcorn State's uh, you know, song selection was very pleasing to the public. And people were walking along and singing the songs, and it, it, is, it is so impressed on my memory I, I can I get chills thinking about it because I remember thinking how cool this was this college band is here playing this song that everybody loves and other people could care less about seeing Santa Claus they're walking with the Alcorn State uh, marching band and uh, the song that they played was Lady You Bring Me Up When I'm Down Up When I'm Down great tune and man i think Lionel, some one of lionel's best vocal performances uh, i love the up-tempo stuff from the commodores they're not just a bunch of balladeers but this is one of those ones too that was a huge radio hit everybody had this song and i remember having it on 45 thinking you know i couldn't get enough of it number two and uh this is one that's been covered by faith no more which is kind of an odd uh, pairing but i love this one man i'll tell you the uh it's easy because i'm easy like sunday morning there's a couple things about this song that I want to say, but kind of before we move on. There are so many bands out there that uh, kind of force the horn section. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it just kind of seems out of place. That wasn't the case with the Commodores. And I don't think there is a better example of their arrangement skills than this song. The horns on this are muted a little bit, but they're just present enough to add some real lift to the song. I mean, it's just a beautiful arrangement. And uh, lost in all of this is how great that guitar solo is. It is so in control. The tone is perfect. It matches the tempo and, you know, kind of the, the temperature of the song. I absolutely love it. It is one of the greatest songs ever written and recorded. Uh, I don't know that it gets enough airplay. I know everybody kind of walks around. And, you know, it's kind of become a catchphrase. Yeah, I'm easy like Sunday morning. 
but this song is near perfection. But you know, if we're going to have a number one song about the Commodores, you know which one it had to be. It's Brick House, baby, and uh, that funk bass line to open it up is so perfect. I mean, it's like, it's just infectious. And then on this song, you know, the horns are not so muted. They're, they're really a main you know, instrument, you know, that brass section. It is an outstanding song. Everybody's seen it. Everybody's heard it. Everybody has seen a girl built like a brick house. And uh, we've all wanted to kind of sing that song to them. So that's top ten list for today. I told you guys you were going to enjoy this one. You know, even if we've already done this list before, it's cool to do it again because the Commodores are so cool. They had those matching outfits, you know, back in, in the early day that they were such a unit. But um, I dig the Commodores. I hope you do too. Go check them out today. If you have ideas for the top ten list, reach out, let me know, and uh, we'll talk about them here on the show. I've got, And I'm a little backed up at times, and so if I don't get right back to you, if I don't answer you on Twitter, that means I've left your uh, – your message on red so i won't forget it so we'll get back to it somebody hit me up about doing a top 10 save and able list i don't know if i can put 10 together but i do dig save and able a lot so we'll give that a shot so that's your top 10 list uh for today how many of you are kind of living above your means right now probably several of you have you used your credit cards to pay utility bills have you used your credit cards to kind of supplement your income especially during the quarantine i know many of you were struggling many of americans were struggling and many of them have got themselves carved into a uh, kind of a mountain of debt reach out to our friends at upstart they have some solutions for you everybody knows you got this some credit cards you're just you're even scared to look at the balance because you know you've been a little bit liberal with your spending but you know what you did what you had to do now it's time to get out of get out of debt it's time to get that managed, and it's time to get out from under those high interest rates. Upstart is a fast and easy way to get a personal loan to pay that debt off online. How cool is that? Whether it's paying off your credit cards or consolidating high interest installment loans or even funding personal experiences, over half a million people have used Upstart to get a simple fixed monthly payment. Consolidate that debt today because, you know, Update finds smarter rates with trusted partners because they assess more than just your credit score. A lot of people, they pull your FICO score and say, you know what, if they're under 600, they're, you know, it's, there's not a chance. With a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate up front for loans from up to from 1000 up to fifty grand. That's right, up to $50,000 for qualified buyers, borrowers. Pardon me. You get approved the same day, and you can receive funds as fast as one business day. You're not going to do better than that anywhere. It's debt taking over your life. It's time to get a fresh start with Upstart. Find out how Upstart can help you by lowering your monthly payments by going to upstart.com slash boneyard. That's right, upstart.com slash boneyard. Use our URL so they know that I sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and your ability to repay the loan. Upstart.com slash boneyard. Go check it out today. I know many of you are stressed. You're thinking, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Give them an opportunity to serve you. Upstart. A couple of days ago, our colleague Robbie Falk broke the news that the Mississippi State basketball game against the University of Tennessee was going to be postponed due to COVID-related issues within the Tennessee Lady Vols program. Uh, it is amazing we have played as much basketball as we have, but here now we've kind of run up against some issues here as of late. The ladies, of course, have not played uh, since that poor showing against South Carolina. Uh, back on January 28th, the uh, game against Vanderbilt, of course, was canceled because Vanderbilt has canceled their season. 
And then this game against Tennessee gets postponed. So the ladies will not be back in action again until they go to Fayetteville on February the 11th. That is a long, 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 long layoff. So no women's hoops uh, this weekend. I know some of you are thinking, okay, well, it's kind of a relief because we don't want to lose again. Listen, you know, I'm a competitor. I want to get out there and get this thing turned around. But uh, next week, we got a couple of tough ones. We're going to Arkansas, who recently beat UConn. Uh, and then we're going to Ole Miss, uh, who nearly came back and pulled off an upset of us, uh, you know, when they came to Starkville. And listen, Ole Miss women's basketball hadn't played exceptionally well, but listen, they're an improved team. We talked about that. Um, you know, they had a big win earlier this week, uh, upsetting, uh, you know, Kentucky. And so let's just kind of take a quick look at them just because, uh, you know, it's been a while since we've talked about them on the show, you know, and, and we're going to be go- headed to Oxford, and we've kind of owned that place uh, for a while, but they're 8-7 and seven on, the le- on the year now. They get into conference play. They lose in overtime at home to LSU. They win at home against Auburn in a tough ball game. They lose here in a ball game that we should have been able to put away, but give them credit if they didn't quit. They lose at home against Mizzou. They lose on the road to Georgia. Uh, they lose in Oxford, 78-68. They lose a nail-biter at Tennessee, 68-67. Then they lose in overtime at LSU. And then they get the uh, Kentucky Wildcats up there and beat them 72-60. to And so while they had struggled and uh, had put together, I guess, uh, six losses in a row, they dug down deep on their own floor and they beat Kentucky. Uh, so... That's not going to be a cakewalk. I mean, and, and I'll be honest with you, I kind of, you know, you know, struggle to consider, you know, what would happen to our fan base. We lose that ball game to Ole Miss, you know, because that's one of those things we've kind of taken for granted. It's like, you know what, you know, we run this state. They're not even close to us. But that that would be one of those barometers about, you know what, they're beginning to catch us because they, they beat us. You know, they, they've played us tough at times, but uh, – we have had a good stretch, and you know we're not going to be able to go up there and take over their arena again because of uh, you know the COVID uh, regulations and protocols that are kind of put in place. So uh, that's where we are on the women's side. Of course, uh, you know the men, and I know. I, listen, I get it. I, I'm not going to sit here and belabor the point and kind of beat up men's basketball. I, I think I probably do that a little bit too much, and, and I, don't, I don't want to be considered one of those people that. Uh, never gives our basketball team a chance because I do think we have some young talent and, and at times we play young. We really do. We're going to be on the road this Saturday against South Carolina and South Carolina has really struggled. There are a lot of people that want to fire Frank Martin. I, I love Frank. I love that story. I thought he did a great job at Kansas State. Uh, did a good job at South Carolina. Uh, but uh, it's like the honeymoon is over. That's going to be a 2.30 tip on Saturday. Uh, the South Carolina women, of course, playing exceptionally well. Not really the case, uh, you know, for the men. Now, let's take a quick look at South Carolina. I'm not going to spend a lot of time breaking this game down because this, this is going to be a longer show, as you guys can already tell. But uh, we'll try to get out of here a little quicker than uh, we have here in recent weeks. But uh, they're 5-6 and six on the year, and they've had a ton of games canceled, as you guys are well aware. Uh, they beat A&M like a drum in Columbia. Then the, the game against Ole Miss is postponed. Tennessee is postponed. They lose at LSU, 85-80. They lose at Missouri, 81-70. They get blasted by Auburn, 109-86. That is crazy. 
They come back and beat Georgia 83-59. They lose at Vanderbilt 93-81, which is the first um, SEC victory for Vanderbilt this year. And then they bounce back and beat Michael White and the Florida Gators earlier this week, 72-66. So we're going to roll in there, and they're going to feel like, okay, we're motivated. We kind of got this thing going. So we're going to get their best effort. And, uh, you know, it's been an interesting series as of late between Frank and Ben. And, and uh, just when we think we've got them figured out, you know, they they get a big win for us. But uh, then there are other times that we go down there and we don't play well. And so we need to find a way to win these two games against South Carolina. So I'm eager to see what Bulldog team shows up. You know, sometimes we tend to do better on the road. And I don't know why that is, but uh, I do think it's one of those things you can – kind of compliment the coaching staff for is that we don't mail it in on the road. I know we didn't play as well as we wanted to in the second half at Arkansas, but we look like we're ready to play when we get there, uh, for sure. That's your basketball update. Let's get into some baseball stuff here. Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of this show, sponsor this segment. And uh, listen, if you have not done so, you need to go by and meet Stan the Man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. Susie herself, worth the price of admission, as sweet as she can be. Uh, go by, see them, let them take care of you. They they will suggest the perfect gift for you. They've got so many great things to choose from there uh, Campus Bookmart. But if you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete couple weeks from now we'll be on in Arlington Texas and we'll be getting ready to go play three top 10 teams to open up the 2021 baseball season I for one cannot wait having the virtual media days this week with Mississippi State baseball coaches and players has really kind of wet the appetite and kind of reminded me that you know what we're going to get back to kind of doing what we do we love college baseball here in these parts and so a lot of people say, well, you know what, Steve, I don't really know the team that well. Is so-and-so back? Is Jake Mangum still here? You know, what, who's going to pitch? You know, you get that a lot. And a lot of it's because, you know, we didn't even get into conference play last year before the season was canceled. So just as you kind of got to know the team, the season was over. We're going to talk Bulldog pitching on the show one day next week. But today I want to talk about the starting nine. And, um, you know, Logan Tanner is your catcher. Okay, Logan's going to catch back there. Luke Hancock's probably going to get in there sometimes too. Uh, but Logan's your guy, and we need that right-handed stick in the lineup for sure. Probably hits, you know, fifth or sixth, somewhere like that. But um, he's got some real pop. Uh, first base, Josh Hatcher, big stick from the left-hand side, and uh, I don't think there's any question. You know, Josh won this job as a true freshman. People forget that. In the Andy Cannizzaro year, right, the second year. So Josh wins it, and then, if I'm not mistaken, was like national freshman of the week. And then – Andy is dismissed, and we bring in Gary, uh, promote him to be the head coach, and Josh is out. Tanner Allen takes over at first base, and that's not a slide at Tanner, but it's like, you know, Josh eventually lost his confidence. And uh, I remember him having a big bat on the road at Vanderbilt in the Super Regional that year that that made a difference. But, um, you know, Josh is hung in there. You know, and in a regular draft, Josh is probably gone last year playing the best baseball of his career. He's back. I'm excited about Josh. One of the things about Josh that gets overshadowed a lot is his size and wingspan. This is the guy that's going to erase a lot of errors for us because he can dig balls out of the dirt. He can stretch. 
Uh, and this is, again, no slight to Tanner Allen, but he's just not a natural first baseman. He's a great athlete, right? As he can get over there and play, there's a good job for us. But Josh is more of that traditional first baseman. Second base, Scott DeBrule, transfer from Jacksonville. I've had so many people tell me so many great things about him. They say he's a dirtbag. He's a guy that dies for every ball. He will not be out-hustled, believes that anything hit to that side of the field is his, uh, takes real ownership of the position. Love to hear that. Another thing that I've heard, too, about him is he is just a guy that finds his way on base. He knows he's not a home run hitter. He understands he needs to get on base and have the guys behind him hit against a pitcher in a stretch. So he tries to get on base. He doesn't try to do too much. He just tries to work the count, slap a ball the other way. I understand he's a good bunter. Puts a lot of pressure on the defense. And then they tell me he is among the most irritating base runners that there can be because he's always out there playing games with the pitcher, trying to get in the pitcher's head. We need some of that. That's a mental toughness aspect. Because one of the things that I have learned about pitchers, you know, the ones that can shut everything down can shut you down. But if you can get out there and cause a little bit of indecision, you get out there and have him thinking about two things at once rather than just rocking and firing at the plate, you can cause a pitch sometimes to, to sell a little bit wide or sell a little bit high, especially on, you know, like a, an advantage count when you want your guy to get a pitch to hit or perhaps you're trying to work a base on ball. Sometimes that runner on base can get you an advantage because pitches aren't executed exceptionally well when guys lose their mental sharpness. And so if he's out there and being an irritating guy at first base and kind of making the defense you know, react to him, it can change some things up. I like what I've heard about him. I've told you guys last year I think Cameron James is the future of this program. I know that uh, his dad, Greg, always messages me after I said those things and said, hey, Steve, don't jinx it. Now, I'm not going to jinx it because there ain't no jinx in talent. Cameron James can play, and I look for him to make a big jump this year. He's made the move from third to short. Uh, I saw him this summer. He put on about 15 pounds. He looks like a prospect. That's the thing. People always ask me when I talk to other baseball people, they say, Steve, who does he remind you of? I'll tell you who he reminds me of. Brennan Shoemake from Texas A&M. Rangy guy that can get out there. Now, granted, it's high praise because Shoemake was a first-round draft pick by the Braves. I don't know if Cam lives up to a first-round pick, but that his same – they have a similar skill set. And Shoemake was one of those guys in the box you just hated to see come up. He was so clutch. And that's the part of Cam's game that's got to come along a little bit, you know. And I uh, only got 15 games last year. But uh, I like the move, taking him from third to short. You get him at third, you give him a chance to kind of get out there and work through the, uh, you know, the nervousness a little bit. And now he takes over at short, been there the entire fall. He's your guy. He and uh, DeBrule spent a lot of time together, kind of working middle infield. Uh, matter of fact, I had an, an interview with Cam James up earlier uh, on in this week, and you can go check that out for free on Gene's page. Uh, third base, Kellum Clark out of Brandon High School. Much heralded guy, wanted to come to school, told everybody he wanted to come play baseball at Mississippi State. He did. Uh, really excited about him as a player. And like Cam James says, you know what, third base is a good place for him because, number one, he's very comfortable there. But uh, that's a good place, you know, for a freshman to kind of figure some things out. You can get out there and get in the flow of the game. And listen, that, that throw from third to first, it looks long, but it's really not. You know, unless you're making that ranging throw back behind the bag there. You know, more times than not, you catch it, you chop wood, and you, you gain some ground there, and then you, you know, fire across the diamond. It's not the throw that a lot of people think it is. It's much more difficult for that shortstop to back in the six hole to go back behind the third baseman and fire back across the diamond. Uh, we've seen that play made a few times over the years, but, uh, you know, it's not the big deal, I guess, that some people make it out to be you know, playing third, but uh, you got to be sound there. And that's one of the things, even you know, when you go back to that 2016 
SEC championship team that we had. You know, we had some struggles at third until Gavin Collins just kind of gutted it out and said, you know what, this is my spot, it's my team, I'll figure it out. And he did a good job for us. You know, he wasn't the best defender, but by the end of the year he kind of figured some things out. And I think Kellum Clark can be as good as that or better uh, long term. But uh, you'll figure it out. One thing they tell me, too, is you better not miss with a fastball to Kellum Clark or it's going to become a souvenir. How we get to the outfield, we know that Tanner Allen's going to be in right. That's kind of knocked down. Rowdy Jordan, of course, locked up center. And listen, Rowdy's not Jake, okay? He gets a good jump on the ball, but, you know, Jake was kind of freakish with that stuff. And so I don't know if you're going to see Rowdy Jordan making those same diving catches out there. I know he will put forth that same level of effort. But we got to let Rowdy be Rowdy. Okay, and uh, he's going to be your leadoff hitter, and, and I understand his goggles are good to go. And so that leaves us left field. Now, I, what I, here's what I expect to happen. I think there will be probably some platooning out there, you know, because Brad Combus is a great defensive player. I don't know that you guys fully appreciate that. Greg is a – Brad is a tremendous athlete, as you guys know, from Bulldog football. But um, – might be among the best defenders that we've had in recent years as far as, you know, play in the wall and that sort of stuff. And I know that a lot of people have talked about if he can figure out the breaking ball, he's got a, he's got a pro baseball future ahead of him. He's a guy that could, you know, probably get drafted. And there are a lot of teams, I know they're kind of tracking him now. I think Cumbest will be the right-handed left fielder, and I think Pimentel will be the left-handed left fielder. And then there's a good chance one of those guys – uh, you know, could DH if he's not playing in the outfield. It's kind of dependent on pitching matchups. But, you know, the name that people keep kind of mentioning to me is, they said, you know what, don't sleep on Braylon Skinner. Don't sleep on him. Braylon Skinner is a guy, matter of fact, he hit a home run over the weekend. He is, uh, he's going to be, he's a guy that from Lake Cormorant, Mississippi, by way of Northwest Mississippi Community College, will come in this year ready to roll. Now, um, Fleet of foot, tracks the ball well, but they tell me this guy could be a dude, you know. And so that's really the last spot to settle with left field, but I think it gives you some options when you've got the right-left combo out there. And, and listen, we, we can stack some left-handers up there against you. You know, that's the thing. If, you know, you get ready to go up there and you know, uh, pitch against Mississippi State, we can put a ton of left-handed sticks in the order, and we hadn't always been able to do that. You know, we've always kind of struggled, you know, with left-handers because we've had uh, – uh, pardon me, we've always struggled, you know, with uh, left-handers up there because we hadn't been able to match up sometimes. But when you look at the way this thing works now, you look at the strength from Josh Hatcher, uh, Pimentel's the guy that can hit the long ball too, and, of course, Tanner Allen. But uh, you work some guys in there, Luke Hancock and others, you can kind of stack a lineup full of lefties uh, and kind of put some people in, in a matchup situation that is not advantageous to them. But, again – Skinner is a name to remember. I think that is one maybe you're not quite as familiar with, but I can tell you a lot of people have told me that uh, this guy is a great athlete and uh, could be a factor in a number of ways uh, for Mississippi State this year. And, again, we'll talk pitching next week. Speaking of Bulldog baseball, we'd be remiss if we didn't tell you about our friend Brooks Bryan. Brooks, uh, sponsor of the show, but also, too, Brooks is a great person and a great Bulldog. If there is a Mississippi State sporting event going on, chances are Brooks Bryan is there, certainly with baseball. Uh, got a lot of great stories, too, and a great storyteller, and a great friend. That you, once you become Brooks's friend, you're his friend. Brooks wants to be your friend and help you find your new home in Starkville. Perhaps you're looking for a game day getaway, perhaps an investment property, or just your primary residence. Give the folks at Portico a chance to help you. 
Portico is a brand new residential development located right off Garrett Road behind Hilton Garden Inn and the Chrysler Jeep dealership. Just over a mile from campus, easy access to both 82 and 25. There are going to be 51 houses total in the development with 18 in the first phase, and those are approaching completion. 33 houses in the second phase, most of that to get taken care of this year. Houses range in size from 1,300 to 2,000 square feet. Two-bedroom, two-bath, up to four-bedroom, four-bath. Portico includes a walking trail and a pavilion area, so you can entertain people and have a good time there, but also kind of get out and work off some of those calories, right? Go ahead and have the dessert and walk an extra lap uh, around the Portico walking track there. For more information about Portico, give Brooks a call at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. You'll be glad you did. Many of you... You've probably considered, you know, one day I want to move to Starkville. Now's the time. Now's the time. Because you want your next move to be your last move. Make Portico your home and Starkville your home base uh, right here in Stark Vegas. So I mentioned to you guys, too, we're going to be on the road some. It's one of the reasons I'm recording this show early. Uh, going over to Union High School to see uh, Cameron Pascal, an offensive line prospect. Excited about him. He's only been playing offensive line for like a year. Played defensive line for a while. Coach Ron Price from East Webster. I had a chance to visit with Ron. Ron's an Ole Miss guy, but I tell you what, I, I have known Ron Price about a dozen years now. Might be the best Ole Miss fan that I know. And what I mean by that is this is a guy that uh, loves his team, but uh, he's easy to deal with. And he loves his kids. He loves those players that play for him. Listen, I got to know Ron when he was at New Albany. Uh, when we first started doing the combine in Tupelo, he reached out to me and said, listen, i got to get my kids seen, and i got to get them out here, let them work, and hopefully get them some exposure. And Ron came every year, every single year. And then there was one year he didn't come, and uh, I believe he was on his honeymoon, but he still sent his players. And so he's been very supportive of me. I consider Ron Price a friend. And when he tells me that a guy can play, I believe Ron Price. Ron Price has credibility with me when it comes to players because I've never in all the years that I've known Ron Price I've never heard him talk down another player I've never heard him talk down an opponent I've never heard him talk ill of any player that he's played against or he's heard of never he might do it to you but he's never done it to me but I always speak to him when I see him and I say have you seen anybody out there besides your own kids that you feel have a chance to really play because we, we, you know, listen, we're Mississippi guys, and not everybody's going to be able to go to Mississippi State. But if we can build a profile and do some interviews and get some video out there for a guy, some pictures, and kind of create some buzz and kind of help those kids get on the radar a little bit, we want to do that. We want to do that, whether they're going to Mississippi State or not, because that's what happens over time as you stop rooting for, you know, that sort of stuff. You start rooting for kids. You know, one of the kids that I've met recently that I'm really rooting for is a guy that I posted an interview on Thursday from East Webster to place for Ron Price, a linebacker by the name of Zy Ford. Runs about six foot, 200 pounds. Already knows where the weight room is. He's already picked up offers from Memphis and Southern Miss. I suspect that he will pick up a slew of G5 offers. Don't know if it's going to be an SEC offer or not. I think he is probably today a marginal SEC guy. I think he is a guy that gets SEC interest and could potentially play his way into an SEC offer. But you get out and you go see these young men, and they look at you and they think, okay, well, maybe this will help a little bit. You know, maybe doing this interview, maybe getting these pictures made, maybe this helps me kind of raise my profile on a recruiting radar, and I hope that it does. 
But when you get a chance to visit with them, you realize how important this is to them. You know, it's not just about having some internet cred. For many of these small-town Mississippi guys, it's a chance at a better life because many of them are not going to be able to pay for college you know, without a sports scholarship or an academic scholarship. And many of them don't have the grades to earn an academic scholarship, and so they kind of rely on their athletic ability. And so when you're around them, many of them, they don't know what to say, they don't know how to act. And so sometimes I'll talk about rap music or I'll talk about other things to kind of relax them a little bit before we do the interview because it is important. And I know it's important to them. You know, I've done thousands of these interviews over the years, but I never forget these juniors for the first time because they're so eager and they're so excited and they're so hopeful that this is something that will help them. And they're so excited about the future. They're excited about, you know, it's my turn. Okay, now it's my turn to have, you know, stars next to my name. Now it's my turn to have my name out there on social media and have college coaches DM me on Twitter. And they're so hopeful. And it is infectious to be a part of that. And so I get out and I go see these guys and I talk to their coaches and we get their pictures and, and we share that information with you guys. But we also understand we don't live in a vacuum. We also understand there's college coaches out there to follow us on Twitter and there's college coaches out there that are paying attention. And so, you know, my hope is that we can help those small-town Mississippi guys. Now, I ran a combine, you know, for 10 years. Did them all over the state. Did them in Tupelo 10 years. And, you know, did them in Biloxi. Did them in Ocean Springs. Uh, Clarksdale, Tupelo, Brookhaven. Done them all over trying to help our guys in Mississippi get some opportunities. Uh, just can't do it anymore. And you know what? That's one of the things I think about, too, is like every time I see some, some clown on social media said, oh, we can't do the combines anymore, I can do them whenever I want to. I just don't have the time to do them these days. It is so much work to do that. You know, back before I was writing books, you know, back before I had all these other things to do, back before I had a regular show, you know, I could sit around all day and call high school coaches and put together an invite list of about 300 kids and then arrange sponsorships. I just don't have the time to do all that these days. But, you know, when all these kids get out of the house, you know what? Uh, I might start doing them again, not just for spite, but just because of the fact that I see value in doing it to help our Mississippi kids. But there's so many of those kids out there don't have the money to go pay $150 for a T-shirt to go to some camp that uh, is really a money-making venture for somebody else who doesn't want to go get a job. I never charged a dime for anybody to go to any camps for me. Never charged a kid a dime. I've had people that offered to pay me to get their kids in, and I always said, no, it's free, just come on. It's not an invite-only deal. I'm going to invite the kids that their coaches tell me deserve to be there because that's the kids that I want to see. But if you want to come out there and work out and you want to come out there and and get a shirt and get your profile made for 247 Sports, you come on. We're not going to turn down any comers because there's so many of those young guys out there that don't have the resources to get out and market themselves. And I sent those combine results to every junior college in the state. I sent them to about – I guess about 50 colleges in all had a school in Missouri, an NAI school in Missouri, that uh, offered kids at the combine every single year. Every every single year, they'd call me and, and ask for the headliners and uh, you know guys that we knew weren't going to be SEC guys, but some hidden gems. And I don't know if they signed anybody, but they offered kids every year. And so, it's fun to get out there and see the dream beginning to be realized a little bit. For these guys and uh, that's what I see when I, I take these trips and I'm eager to get to Union see how big Cameron Pascal is his film is incredible I love his film I hope he's 6'4 six, 6'5 six, I really do uh, they're all still kind of growing at this point so you hope they still got an inch or two of growth left but uh, the, the thing I, I say all that to say this 
is there going to be a lot of guys out here in the state of Mississippi that get a ton of offers because it is an exceptionally deep year in Mississippi. We have some headliners, but above all things, we have a lot of depth. And so there's going to be a lot of guys that go to Mississippi State and be a lot of guys that go to Southern Miss and be a lot of guys that go to Ole Miss. We're not going to get everybody. Not that we're going to lose a kid to Southern Miss. But there's going to be a lot of guys that you know, a lot of names you're familiar with, they're going to sign Division One. It's going to be a very exciting year in the state. And the more that I travel and the more that I talk to high school coaches, the more I realize it's probably even deeper than we thought. Because every single day there's a name that comes up and you watch the film and you said, yep, he's an SEC guy. Coach, does he have grades? Yeah, he's got grades. Well, here's another one. Here's another one. Uh, Trent Singleton picked up an offer from Mississippi State on Thursday. Safety out of Raymond, quarterback. Um, you know, he'll play safety for us. He's recruited as a DB. You know, it's like every day you turn around, uh, there's a new guy. And uh, I get excited about that sort of stuff. Because identifying the puzzle pieces, to me, is more fun than putting the puzzle together. Because we're helping these young people kind of get their name out there. And I love uncovering these guys. And I love when a high school coach will tell me, you know what? Here's a kid you need to look at. We played against this guy. He was the best player we played against, regardless of position, the entire year. And that's one of the things that makes our state so great. There's so many high school coaches out there that speak so well of other players, even ones they don't coach, because they want these small-town kids in Mississippi to have an opportunity. And so to Ron Price and to many others out there that make the job a little bit easier for us, thank you. We are happy, happy to provide a platform to help showcase your kids and uh, to give them an, an opportunity to kind of uh, push their dreams ahead. It means a lot to us. It really does. Uh, if you hadn't done so, go to alphadogsthebook.com, and you can order personalized copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs. Many of you have reached out about your Valentine's Day stuff. I'm not going to write Love Linda, okay? I'm not going to write to Jack, Happy Valentine's Day, Love Linda. You can write that on the card, but I'll write to Jack, Hell State, whatever you want. You go to Hell Old Miss, whatever. Best wishes. Happy Valentine's Day. But you can write the love thing. Okay, okay I'll write Love Steve. But I'm not going to write Love Linda. Okay, so put that in your notes. I'm happy to do it. It's uh, you got about, I guess, what, seven or eight days to get your Valentine's Day orders in. And people have begun to do that. But um, look out for the sweetie in your life. And ladies, let me tell you this. If your husband's not a reader, he'll read this. He will because he loves Mississippi State. They love Mississippi State. I've had so many people that said, you know what, he hadn't read a book since high school, but he's written all, read all of yours. Your husband will read it too. Trust me, he will. And if nothing else, you can read it to him while he feeds you chocolates. That's going to do it for today. Appreciate you guys so much. It's been a longer show, and uh, it's had a lot to talk about, and i got time to do it. So until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.